Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Parker Here. I am your host, Parker Haney. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, so I talked about last week, I was going to do a little bit of a uh, uh, Super Bowl breakdown and then potentially a you know NBA trade deadline breakdown, but I couldn't get a guest to come. Our, my guest had to cancel last minute. Um, to come on for the trade deadline, so I might just might just do a, a Super Bowl recap and and call it good. Um, I can give you guys, I guess, a little bit of thoughts on on the trade deadline stuff, but it it just I think the overwhelming feeling from not even the national media, not even just the local media, not even you know just the 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 big fans of the Eagles and the big, big fans of the Chiefs. I I think the feeling of literally everybody who watched that, that was, you know, at least somewhat paying attention was just sad, was just almost disappointed, almost let down. We have a 35-35 game on our hands and – that's the way it ends up being decided. You know what I mean? Like everybody that was watching the game was so excited to see the finish of that. Mahomes drops back, throws the ball out the back of the end zone. Looks like it's going to be fourth down. They're going to kick a field goal to go up by three with under two minutes left. And now we get to see Jalen Hurts have the ball. Is he going to score too fast? Is he going to give Mahomes too much time? Are they going to be able to go down and get in field goal range? Is Jalen Hurts really going to do it? He's played phenomenal. Is he going to be able to put together this this two minute drive and and you know potentially score a touchdown as time expires, or you know they just need a field goal to tie it? And with one handkerchief, with one yellow handkerchief, all of those possibilities got taken from us. Why Why is it that we're allowed to, even in the NBA, right, in under two minutes or under five minutes, whatever it is, they're allowed to stop everything, go to the monitor, and make sure that they got an out-of-bounds call correctly to make sure that, that they're positive who it went off of because a moment like that can determine the outcome of a game. So let's make sure we got it right. That moment determined the outcome of the game. Why are we not making sure that we got it right? You want to tell me it's a hold? Fine, it's a hold. You want to tell me it wasn't? Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot there. I could see them not calling that. That's fine as well. But for the officials to have that much power in that moment, in the biggest game of the NFL of of the of the sport that is most prominent in America decided by and again right it never comes down to one play it's never one penalty the official throwing that flag decided the outcome of that game and that's all there is to it if he doesn't throw it we have no idea what's going to happen like i said butker had already missed one from a little bit deeper maybe he misses that one from whatever it would have been, 30-something, 40-something. Maybe he misses that one, and now we're tied up, and now a field goal will win it for the Eagles. Maybe Butker does make it. 
And like I said, now we're under two minutes. Eagles get the ball back, and now they're marching down the field. Now the Chiefs need to come up with a stop. They robbed us of that last possession, and the entire – all of America was sitting there just watching Mahomes take three steps backwards and take a knee, and the the – this unbelievable potential all-time Super Bowl got decided by one one penalty. James Bradbury came on, you know, in, you know immediately in his post game in the locker room. He said, "Yeah, it was a hold. I was hoping they wouldn't call it. I was hoping they would let it slide. Something along those lines. Yeah, I grabbed his jersey. I, I whatever." So I, I meant to do a little bit of research before that. I actually tried to do a little bit of research, but I think it's going to be a, a deeper dive, and I don't even know if I'd be able to find it. Um, I want to be clear on what a defensive holding penalty is. If you watch the play again, right, Juju Smith-Schuster runs a shark route, so he fakes inside real hard, plants his left foot, and then tears back to the outside. And in this case, it was actually a shark wheel route. So he runs a shark and then starts to take off up the field going towards the pylon. Where I believe Juju got held is on the inside move of his shark route, right? When he when – he, Goes hard inside, plants his foot, and tries to get back outside. That's where it looks like he's held. But Juju lined up three yards off the ball. The inside part of his shark route actually happened behind the line of scrimmage. Contact is allowed to happen right there. Now, like I said, I, I think the part, the part of the rule that I'm unsure of is, is contact is allowed within five yards of the line of scrimmage, right? I don't know if that includes holding on to somebody's jersey, right? I think that might be a penalty either way, regardless of where it happens. So, again, this whole this whole bit right here might just be tossed out. But that's actually where I believe the holding occurred. Everybody's trying to – taking the screen grab of when Juju starts up the field and he just is setting a hand on his back. That in, in no way is a hold. And I don't even think that's what James Bradbury was talking about when he admitted to holding, right? I think he was talking about the inside part of the shark route saying, yeah, I absolutely grabbed him right there. I was hoping they would let it slide. I don't think he's talking about as Juju starts the wheel part of the route where he takes off up the field, J- James Bradbury was not holding him. He has an open hand on his back. His hand is open. You can count all five fingers. I looked at it. He has an open hand on Juju's back. And then the ball was uncatchable, all of those things. We get it. I, I think even even if Juju has a little bit of separation, Mahomes is okay with just throwing that away because the safety was kind of coming over the top anyway. So I don't think he would have been able to put it on him regardless. And, and, and like I said, I've now taken 10 minutes talking about this final play in this sequence when there was so much awesomeness that happened during this game that I haven't even gotten to yet. And that is the frustrating thing. That's the thing that makes me sad is what everybody's going to be talking about is this play and this penalty and what happened. They're not going to be talking about how Juju was unbelievable that whole drive, how he marched him down the field. I think he had four catches on that drive and, and was consistently open. You know, it, it he had a phenomenal drive right there. Um, I with With all of that being said, um, 
I still felt like the Chiefs were were gonna were the appropriate team to win. Right as the game was going on, never really felt like you could lean one way or another. But I mean, Eagles, you got to get a stop in the second half at some point, right? The Chiefs scored on every single one of their possessions. So that, over anything else, is the reason that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? Over a holding call or not, the Chiefs scored on every single drive. And even if they hadn't got that holding call, they technically still would have scored on that drive. They would have attempted a field goal from just farther back. And, and you know, again, we don't know what would have happened, but we can assume Bucker would have made it. But I, I just – It's what I talked about last week in why I picked the Chiefs to win this game was because the Eagles were the number one defense in the NFL against who? We went back and looked at it. We went and walked through every single quarterback he had played. He had not played a top-tier quarterback yet. Now you come into the Super Bowl and you're going against a guy who is potentially putting his name into the greatest of all time conversation. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast earlier. Three people have two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two regular season MVPs. It's Tom Brady, it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's Joe Montana. That is a good list. That is a good stat. I've talked about it before on this podcast. I love stats that come out that don't have any weird outliers that don't have that one random guy that did it, you know, that isn't really on the same level as everybody else. That stat is a good stat. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is getting there. He needed this win. Feels like if if any great quarterback is going to – and, again, I don't even feel like entertaining this conversation, but I feel like we have to. If somebody's going to try and rival Tom Brady – you have to get the two early ones. Tom Brady got three early ones, but you have to get the two early ones, the two early Super Bowl victories, I'm meaning. Um, and, and that's what Patrick Mahomes has done so far in his career. He's hitting all of the checkpoints in order to end up like Tom Brady, uh, which just sounds crazy, right? We, we After Tom Brady won his seventh, we're like, we'll never see anything like him again, and now we're talking about how Patrick Mahomes could potentially catch him. It, it's just funny. So, yeah, the 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 – big thing that I wanted to to really talk about and really hammer home was the number one defense in the NFL couldn't even get a sack. They didn't have one sack on Patrick Mahomes. Not even one time where they got enough pressure where Patrick Mahomes had to run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. That counts as a sack. The Eagles didn't do that one time. Hassan Reddick had all this conversation about how he was a potential sleeper candidate for Super Bowl MVP, how he's been unbelievable. He could have been in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. All of that, and I love Hassan Reddick. I'm not bashing on him. But all of that talk, and they don't even get a sack? One, the Chiefs' offensive line was clearly an underdog in this in this conversation. They were clearly, you know, thought less of. And they came out and absolutely balled, and all of them, right? The the reason people are talking about it now is because all of the all of the starting offensive linemen were saying, "Hey, yeah, look at us. 
you guys thought we weren't going to hold up. You guys thought Fletcher Cox and, and Hassan Reddick were going to give us all of these issues and they were going to have sacks and can we protect Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to have to move too much on his hurt ankle? No. The Chiefs offensive line heard all that noise and responded with a, a shutout. No sacks and I think they had like one QB pressure or something like that. That is insane. And even if you wanted to get to Patrick Mahomes, he's just going to avoid you and run away and make Superman plays like we've seen him do time and time again. And that's what I want to talk about with they hadn't seen a guy like Patrick Mahomes. The Eagles had not seen a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that could that could take over a game, that could be a hero in the game. It was Truly a phenomenal performance by Patrick Mahomes. And, by the way, doing all of this, and I think he was only – I think the Chiefs only had the ball for like 24 minutes or something like that. He scored 38 points in 24 minutes of him being on the field. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Now I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts. I mean, in his big game, he he proved everybody wrong 100% tenfold. He is who, you know, the Eagles thought he was, and he – is a winner and he can perform on the biggest stage because that's exactly what we saw him do three tutties you know over 300 passing yards that's that is big time and he did it on the ground and in the air he he was unbelievable made every play that he needed to down the stretch and his defense kind of let him down and I think you know that's a big big part of of Andy Reid and and what he is and who he is and who he's been his entire coaching career is he just makes other teams look silly. Kadari, now that's a perfect segue into what I want to hit next and, and maybe my final point is those last two touchdowns that the Chiefs scored, the Kadarius Tony route and the Sky Moore route, everybody's looking for Travis Kelsey inside the red zone. Everybody. Everybody on the field, everybody at home watching that had Travis Kelsey, two touchdowns, you know, whatever. And the Chiefs noticed on film when they send a guy in motion, they bump that motion, right? So, you know, if a guy goes in motion, the the corner that's on him at that moment will bump it over to the corner on the other side saying, hey, you take him so that way they can't have have a guy in motion, have a head start running out into the flat and score a touchdown that way. So they bump that. When... Kadarius Tony starts going in motion. They go to signal the bump. And right as they signal the bump and the other cornerback kind of sits down and gets steady, then they snap the ball and he reverses the motion, goes back out to the flat that he just came from, and the other the, the corner that's on this near side has no chance. Has no chance, especially with Travis Kelsey on the same side where he's commanding so much attention. So as soon as that corner that's going in mode, that's going with Kadarius Tony across the formation, right? As soon as he's ready to bump him off, his next assignment is I'm looking at Kelsey. I probably have outside contain. Now I'm looking at Kelsey, and he's not going to score a touchdown right here. And then the ball snapped, and then the man that you thought you passed off is now heading out into the flat, and and you're you're nowhere there. Kadarius Tony's too fast. Sky Moore is too fast. They did it with Kadarius Tony, and then they ran the exact same play to Sky Moore. It's the exact same. You can run them side by side. They're identical, except for one's on the other side. And, it, 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 again, it just goes to show the genius of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the ability that they have to run these plays, the ability. And this is where I 
I want to touch a little bit more on the greatness of Pat Mahomes. Like I've compared Joe Burrow to Tom Brady before in that anytime anybody's on the field with Joe Burrow, they feel like they can win. They feel like they have a chance in that game, regardless of their personnel, regardless of the injuries, regardless of how good the other team is. When you're on the field with Joe Burrow, you feel like you can win. Tom Brady had that same type of thing. Patrick Mahomes has Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, has that same type of thing. But he also has a way to get his guys prepared that that I just don't know if we've really ever seen it before. And obviously I I'm you know, still fairly young, so I don't have all of the Super Bowl history knowledge, and I haven't been that locked in for that many years. But it just feels like you get rid of Tyreek Hill and you replace him with a, a random Kadarius Tony that comes over more than halfway through the season. You have a rookie in Sky Moore, a rookie in Isaiah Pacheco, and all of them f- are just on the same wavelength as Travis and Pat that have been playing together for five years now, six years now. And and I feel like that's you have to give that credit to obviously the coaching staff, but then to Patrick Mahomes for trusting his guys, for helping them understand the plays, helping them understand the looks. It's what we talked about with it's what everybody's been talking about with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he has certain hand signals. He'll do one hand signal and he expects his receivers to understand. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the patience and is tired when his rookie receivers can't figure it out. And Patrick Mahomes is the opposite. He's willing to sit there and work with Pacheco to make sure that he understands it's not going to be a call. It's going to be something that everybody on our offense sees, that when we go in motion and he goes to bump it off, snap the ball right there. Pacheco, you have to be here to help me. And, again, this is just you know spitballing. I don't know if this is something that actually happened. But it's they're all on the same wavelength at all times. And it's – it's just incredible. It it really, really is. They're all understanding each other, and they all see the same thing when a defense shows them something, and that is, in my opinion, one of Patrick Mahomes' greatest attributes is that he can have everybody on the same page, everybody believing in each other, trusting in each other, that they're all going to see the same thing, and then they're all going to react the same way to what the defense shows them. Um, and I think that's what we saw from, from again, a rookie Sky Moore. Juju Smith-Schuster has only been there a year, two years now. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, Valdez Scantling, who actually didn't even have a catch, I don't think. But all of these guys that came in and everybody was saying they're not going to be Tyreek Hill. You're right, they're not. Nobody's going to be Tyreek Hill. But the beauty of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this coaching staff and this team is that they're a team, and they all see the same thing. They all breathe the same breath. It's they're they're again like a like a fluid machine, and that's what has made them so good. Why they're always in contention. Why everybody's always worried to play them, and why the way too early favorites are the Chiefs to win it again next year. This is why they're. Truly remarkable, and I think we're we're blessed to be witnessing it. And I again, I mentioned it on last week's pod. I just love to I love to see that history, right? I would love to get to experience another career like Tom Brady's, right? Unless you're a big Tom Brady Patriots fan, and you have for some reason you have like a, a guarding over that that um you know his his 
history and, and all of the records that he set, why would you not be rooting to, to see that again? Why would you not want to watch another great athlete be, you know, why would you not want to watch his career play out? So for me, I just wanted to, I wanted Patrick Mahomes to get another one because that means he's that much closer to to touching Tom Brady, to catching him, to, to being in the conversation. It's that much more exciting when he's in the Super Bowl next time because, oh, he's already got two, now he's going for three. It's, I'm, I'm all in favor of, of the history of the game and that we get to see, that we get to experience. It's unlike anything else, man. It's it's unlike anything else. Uh, the, I think that'll do it for the podcast. Uh, like I said, I again, I'm getting more into the NBA. I'm watching a lot more games. Um, like I said, I wanted to do a trade deadline podcast and kind of talk about the fallout of that. I will just say... If you don't have the Suns winning it, I don't know where your head's at. What is KD's? What is one of KD's best attributes that he can play basketball with anybody? There was talk when he went to the Warriors. Is he going to be able to work with Steph and Clay? Is he going to be okay with taking that few shots? Yeah, that dude loves to play basketball. I am genuinely convinced that if that dude went out there and was told you can't shoot the ball, he would be okay to just go out there, pass for his teammates, and play defense. I genuinely believe that. Kevin Durant loves playing the game of basketball, and that's that's all there is to it. And then obviously wants to win. So you pair that with Kevin Booker and Chris Paul, the best game manipulator we've ever seen. It's... <laughs> It's going to be unbelievable. And people are talking, well, who's going to play defense on that team? Devin Booker can play defense when he wants to. And before Kevin Durant got hurt, he was a potential defensive player of the year candidate. So I'm not worried about it. And, again, he loves to play basketball. He wants to be out there. He wants to play. DeAndre Ayton's a stud. Yeah, you give him Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, two stud defenders and big wing guys, 3 and D guys. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you gave up. If Kevin Durant can win you a championship, you make that trade 10 times out of 10. I don't care if you're selling your whole future, how many picks you gave up. People always bring it up with the Lakers. Well, now the Lakers have no future. That doesn't matter. They won a championship with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's what they were trying to achieve. Everybody in the league is trying to win a championship. If your trade isn't going to win you a championship, then yeah, that is terrifying. Then that is scary. Like with the Nets, right? That was getting scary. They gave up so much to have all these all-stars, and now it's potentially not going to work out. That is scary. If you win a championship and you give up your whole future, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The players, the owners, obviously it's a little bit different for the owners because they need to make money every year. But for management, for the GM, for the coach, for the players, if they can win a championship, that's all they're trying to do. And going and getting Kevin Durant, regardless of what you have to give up, is your best chance at winning a championship. And if you don't agree, then you're just, I don't know what to tell you. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> A little bit jumbled pod, I apologize. Um, again, we'll be back. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.